Today's episode is brought to you by Grinding Coffee Co., a black LGBTQ plus owned coffee business that donates a portion of every sale to charity. Coffee is imported from around the world and they pride themselves on great customer service for a small team. Use promo code PLP22 for 10% off your order. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matthew and Shannon join me. And we're going to recap St. Pete. I know I went all formal with that one. <laughs> I decided to switch it up very, like, literally as I was, like, Nobody's doing the intro. Nobody's going to even know who you're talking about. Yeah, who's Matt? Who's Matthew? <laughs> who's Matthew? If it makes me feel better. So in, in high school, everybody called me Jokum instead of Mike because, you know, everybody's named Mike. And when they announced, you know, like when I went up for my diploma, literally the kid who sat next to me said, I didn't even know your name was Mike. <laughs> That's amazing. So, did you ever think that was a you thing? I'm sorry? I said, did you ever think that was a you thing? Yeah, you know, it, it's certainly possible that it's, a, that it's a me thing. Like, I was also very shy in high school, so it was not improbable that somebody just didn't know who I was, so... I was, I was getting ready person. for you to tell me to piss off and burn in a hole or something. But wouldn't he have known? I mean, wouldn't you have guys like shared a locker for four years? Surely he would have known your name. No, we we, we our, our lockers weren't like alphabetical or anything like that. Oh, they weren't. No. Ours were. So I always had the same locker mates. Yeah, I don't think ours were. To be honest, I don't. It was a lot. As Hickey would say, it was a really long time ago. <laughs> I say this is this he, he predates they lockers. Metal then? <laughs> yeah, this this predates lockers. They didn't have lockers when he went to school. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the combination that's, that's lock fair. wasn't invented I mean, either. I'm yet, not even so. not even mad at that. I God. Okay, let's just dive into St. Pete. Well, my my non-racing question for the week is to you two. Um, what is wrong with the Orlando airport? What is right with the Orlando airport? She's got a point. That doesn't answer my question. Have you ever been to the Orlando airport? I'd have to ask my mom. I don't know if we ever flew to Orlando. Maybe okay, once. It's literally full. It is full of people leaving Disney World. <laughs> okay? So it is full of very tired children and very tired parents and grandparents and everybody just wants to go home and everybody's in a bad mood and kids are crying. It's terrible. Also, PSA is like eight miles long. Yeah, yeah. Even even with pre-check, it's one of the air, few airports that like still takes time to get through security. But there's also the, the food options are pretty lame for you know such a popular airport. Yes. There's there's like two places to eat in each terminal. So not only are these people all tired, they're also now hungry and exhausted. There's there's like one place to get a drink in the entire airport if you want to have a beer at the end of the you know before you you take off. So also the carpet is older than I am in that airport, so you can guess how old that is. So there's really just there's nothing redeeming about the Orlando airport. It's just a nightmare from the second you get there and the second you leave. So- 
So I guess, how, do you guys take an airlines that only takes you to Orlando? No, th- this this was an unfortunate. Usually for St. Pete, you'd fly to Tampa because Tampa's twenty minutes away. But exactly the pr- the price. Okay, but it was a ridiculous. Yeah, the money. the price of flying to Tampa versus Orlando was so astronomically different. It made more sense to fly into Orlando and drive two hours. Like not even it was like four hundred dollars round trip difference. So it just it just wasn't worth it. But then you have to go to the Orlando airport, which apparently has a lot of first world struggles. Yes, it it is. It does. And I am aware of that, but I will complain about it every time, no matter if I have to fly there or not. Well, how was your racetrack experience? I glorious. Yeah, I had a great time this weekend. This is one of my except favorite St. Pete weekends. Except for the lack of service in pit lane. That was a struggle bus on race day. Lord have mercy. Yeah. And I lost my AirPods. <laughs> so I guess Cannon. maybe it wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're probably in pit lane somewhere. I don't know. I had them and now I don't have them. Yeah, I could. Uh, I, I think I could tell the service was great because, you know, as the race was finishing, we were getting a bunch of videos from like midway point of the race. I'm like, uh oh. Their infrastructure may not be very good there. So Shannon had a little bit of a rough weekend then because her AirPods have disappeared somewhere on the streets of St. Pete. But Matt, what was it like watching from home? Did you enjoy the broadcast and whatnot? Yeah, that's good. that was on the agenda. Um, so for the record, the Peacock, there, there's commercials. Uh, yeah. Which I don't know why I had my hopes up, but that's a bummer. I rewatched it yesterday, and yeah, there was quite a few commercials. Um, I thought maybe there would be a change since we're watching on the app that they would just have like static noise or race car sounds during commercials instead of the actual commercial, but silly me, why would we do that in the 21st century? And then there was no post-race, which is suboptimal, but obviously makes sense when you're on big NBC. But the fact that they couldn't like shift to Peacock for additional post-race coverage, I don't quite understand that. That's the whole reason you have Peacock is for the hardcore fans to continue to get the content that they want. So why they didn't go to like a Peacock segment or were interviewing more than just the winner, I don't understand that one either. So Townsend Bell put out something um, right after, I don't know if it was right after the race, but Uh, He tweeted something about the broadcast and he asked if, would you like to see post-race on Peacock? So I answered him back. So maybe they heard those and they will change that going forward. Yeah. I think Peacock for kind of post-race coverage would be really cool because you can dedicate a half hour, whatever, you know, post-race and you could even maybe have a post-race host and let Hinch do his thing or bring in somebody else. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. We can bring in everybody's favorite Danica Patrick after her NASCAR broadcasts are done. So, you know, I, I do agree. I was some shade. No, that was no, that was no shade. It was just bringing, bringing up Danica because I wanted to see if I could get a reaction out of Hickey after, after his internet struggles to make him laugh a little bit. I don't have a Danica effect on me tonight, unfortunately. Oh, oh, but 
someone yeah. followed me on Twitter. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Somebody just followed me this weekend on Twitter and literally their entire timeline is pictures of Danica. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> not me. Are you sure that's not your burner? It's okay if it is. I'm actually, I think, am I the only person on the podcast that doesn't? No, I don't think lighting does. I don't have a burner. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. I was getting harassed about two months ago from this random account. So I'm just going to start assuming that all of them are you. I don't have a burner that I can harass people on. Are you that, Mike, you know, a host is probably that mustache guy that keeps harassing host oh. and Shannon. No, why would I harass I'd myself? I'd be so mad. I'd be so <laughs> mad. That throws people off the scent. That's a good point. You know, that is a good point. But no, my only fake account is the account for the for our F1 league. It's it's and I use that to troll William's story mainly. <laughs> Why has that man's name been on my timeline too many times today? Far too much. But that's an, that's for we'll save that for F1 talk. IndyCar, what's up next, Matt? Well, Scott McLaughlin won his first career race. Uh, congrats, Scott. Uh, I was just thinking that we didn't really mention his name probably once in our season preview yeah uh and then he goes out and does really good in practice uh wins the poll which is his first career poll as well and then leads 49 of the 100 laps to win the race uh very good showing had it not been for some off strategy he might have been closer to 75 to 80 laps led so he was really the favorite for the entire race on the guys that were doing the two stops so what do you guys think of Scott's opening season performance? Dominant. Yeah, he did really, really well. He looked really confident in everything that he was doing this weekend. Ben Bretzman must be a, him and Ben must be a, a, quite the team. Yeah, I was impressed with Scott. Obviously, like I just said, he was the class of the field and the best driver but I feel like my driver of the day is still going to be Alex Pelot, just given where he qualified and the fact that Ganassi didn't really seem to have it together through the first couple practice sessions quite yet as, as where they want to be. So he started 10th and just kind of methodically made his way up and did Alex Pelot things that we're used to seeing from last year. And to me, has already kind of established to the field that, you know, hey, I won the championship last year, but that wasn't a fluke and I'm here to stay for this year as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it he just didn't do anything wrong all weekend. Like the, the to me, the the biggest thing, and sorry if I'm stealing one of your points coming up, but so the first, you know, he started the race on reds. He went 27, 28 laps, something like that, maybe over 30 actually. And nobody else was pulling out long stints like that on the reds. I mean, even Scott Dixon, who's a wizard at everything he does switch to a three-stop strategy after 10 to 12 laps or so so he whatever he whatever they figured out with the with the red tires that were falling away for essentially everybody else I mean he it was just a dominant performance all weekend it really seemed like him and the team just really like when I was in their pits and I can hear some of the conversations or just see the back and forth it just felt like everybody was really clicking and there wasn't any confusion anywhere they knew exactly what they came to do and they were able to do it and so I think that he may be he 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 may be a real um contender for the season if they stay with us yeah normally we get the 
string of road courses before we get to Indianapolis. And this year we go St. Pete to Texas and then off to uh, the usual road courses before we get to the Grand Prix. So I wonder how much Texas is going to shake up the championship, uh, given that, you know, it's one of two high speed ovals on the calendar. I don't know how significant, you know, let's say, uh, I don't know. Let's say Callum Eilat finishes fourth at Texas. I don't know if that's going to significantly give us an indication of where he's going to be in the championships. So I wonder how Texas is going to play into that, but kind of wanted to touch on the rookies. Obviously rookies have an uphill battle in IndyCar. Uh, they have to get up to speed very quickly. And a lot of times rookies struggle. We don't get a Robert Wickens every year who just comes out of the gates immediately and is immediately a contender for a top five every weekend. But just kind of running down the list here, Calderon seemed to struggle all weekend as far as pace. Didn't really seem quite up to speed compared to the other team members and other rookies. Francesco was fine, like didn't do anything terrible, but wasn't exactly the fastest guy out there. Uh, Ilot had a good moment there where he's running the top five, but that was kind of off strategy. Kirkwood was probably the most impressive rookie as a whole on the weekend, but the race kind of unraveled for him with an untimely yellow. And then host favorite Lungard was the highest finishing rookie at P11. Uh, didn't do anything great. Didn't do anything bad. So that's a solid finish, I guess. I mean, he finished by Iron Harvey. And that's a good measuring stick for him, but he did finish behind Ray Hall. So was there any rookie that stood out on the positive side and any rookie rookie that made you scratch your head a little? I mean, I, I agree with Kirkwood, although I think that we thought he was going to do well. So I'm not super surprised by that. I am surprised that he was up to sixth at one point. I don't was that in the race or at practice one way or the other, he was Both. far up in the top 10. So, um, which we know that Kyle's talented, right? You can only do so much with a car. So I feel like that looks good going forward for Foyt that they were even that competitive with a great driver. So maybe they're going to turn that around and, uh, have some success. I mean, I hope I want to see Kyle do well. I really do. And it would be nice for Foyt's team to have some positivity surrounding them but also Dalton did well this weekend so I, I don't know yes I think Lungard had a had a very good Sunday because he just he yeah I, I know I said it he 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 didn't do anything you know amazing he had solid lap times but also he kept it in one piece he came home just outside of the top 10 but he was also like solidly in that like seven to 10 range, just most of the race. So I was super impressed with Lungard, but also, yeah, like, like Shannon said, Kirkwood, clearly Kirkwood's had a positive impact, not only on his own car, but I know him and Dalton Kellett were talking multiple times throughout the weekend. So definitely kind of helped Dalton out as well. Also probably helps that Dalton now has Ryan Briscoe as a driver coach, which is never a bad thing because Briscoe was a beast. So and Sebastian Bourdais was helping Kirkwood this weekend. Yeah. Not even on the payroll, just out of the goodness of his heart. We got to love Seb, don't we? We really do. I miss him already. Just want to point out that Hinch said four wheels and an engine at one point. No. <laughs> sure did. I expect a text the next time somebody says something like that on, 
on the broadcast. So now I hope that same irrational hatred makes its way over to Hinch. <laughs> nope. Um, no, there is, yes. do not stand Hinch. Speaking hate. of uh, two things to point out, speaking of Dalton Kellett, I uh, definitely had it on my bingo card that he was going to out-qualify Pato Award at some point this season, right? Did you guys have that as well? Totally, 100%. <laughs> yeah, Who definitely. else did he out-qualify? He out-qualified Elio, Osado, other kind of big names. As far as the big names, I guess that's kind of it. And Harvey, but Harvey had the accident. So that good, I mean, I critique him a lot, but that was actually well done by him. Uh, did you guys have any issues with the ending of the race with Devlin not pulling over for McLaughlin and Pillow? Well, I always struggle with this because, yes, like you would think that they would pull over because you know that there are, it's not their race to be had anymore, right? But in the end, they're still race car drivers and they still aren't just going to give up position just because it's the right thing to do, you know? And I mean, if we're going to talk about Devlin, then we got to talk about Jimmy. <laughs> and so I don't know, honestly, I think until I, I mean, I know that we were going to talk about this, but until IndyCar um, makes them do something different, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time telling them that they should. I, part of me wants to say, oh, sportsmanship. Yeah, move out of the way. Part of me wants to go, Wait. if that was if that was willpower or anybody else in that position having a, a rough Sunday or just off the pace or off strategy, he's not moving out of the way either. So I mean, remember, Hinch did that last year and everybody was still up in arms and it's Hinch. And it's like, Right. But put yourselves in those positions. You would do the same freaking thing. You would. Let's be honest. We're all race car drivers. We're not going to just let positions go and not fight for something that you're trying to just stay ahead of. And if you do, then maybe you're not really a race car driver. Says Shannon. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not arguing that point. I just want to make sure it's it, this it's coming from her. <laughs> oh, Whatever. I think we're, we're beyond the we're beyond the days of co-hosts getting blamed for other people's opinions. Like once upon a time happened. Oh God. Yeah. One of my favorite oh, memories. I love when people get, people got mad at a former co-host for something I said. I agree with you, what you guys are saying. I think it's a don't hate the player, hate the game situation. Yes. If there's If there's nothing in the rule book saying that he has to get out of the way, then God damn it. He doesn't have to get out of the way. If he was a lap down and they approached him, then you need it's to different. get out of the way. Yeah. Oh, great. He was, he was on the lead lap. So Devlin, you did fine. The pit collision between Erickson, Ray Hall, and I, uh, Grosjean. Grosjean. Was that fair that Erickson got the penalty for that? Or do we think that was a little harsh? So I just literally just watched this on, on the replay, like 25 minutes ago, before we started recording Grosjean's on the outside. Get ready race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. 
Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Ray Hall is in the middle and Erickson is leaving his stall. So to me, Grosjean can't do anything. He's got nowhere to go. And Ray Hall is already kind of in that inside lane, clearly already out of his box and established there. So Yes, Erickson has a right to try to get out there and beat them, but when you don't and you end up kind of banging wheels a little bit, like thankfully there's no major damage from that. Kind of, it is what it is. It's, I, I don't know the exact rule. I haven't looked it up, but, and it was it might not have been his fault. It might've been his pit crew's fault or just timing, but it, I'm okay with the penalty to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. Because like you said, Grosjean was a sitting duck. There's nothing he could do. And it's a sort of same with Devlin with it is with Graham. Like you have every right to fight for that position and you were already there. So whether that was an Erickson mistake or a, a team mistake to let him out and he didn't know somebody was there, whatever that may be, it was, it definitely was not Graham or Grosjean. And then one thing I wanted to get your guys' opinion on, especially since you were there firsthand and got to see the comments live, is what did you guys make of the whole, and if one of you two could summarize it, just because, again, you guys were there, the whole willpower versus Jimmy Johnson thing. Do you want to summarize that and then kind of give your take on it? Well, yeah, we'll both go. But essentially, somebody asked Will in the post-race press conference for his thoughts about specifically just kind of lap traffic or you know generally about lap traffic and you know didn't specify jimmy didn't specify devlin just kind of left it at that and he went on this long rant about how he's been bugging indycar for 10 years when they refused to do anything blah 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 and it wasn't that question but it was another question maybe one or two later where he actually came out and was like well jimmy and i mean i get it i mean it was it was funny in the moment because he's speaking very honestly, but he's saying, Oh, Jimmy, you know, held everybody up and I would be mad. And he almost cost Scott the win, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know. I'm just, I just don't think that's the place for you. You can rant about lap traffic and just leave it general, but 
calling out another driver like that just doesn't really seem necessary. I mean, that's something like you can talk about with a driver. Like after the press conference, you say, Hey, you have five minutes to talk and, and talk afterwards, but in the press conference and props to Alex Pillow for like being 23 and defending him defending Jimmy Johnson in front of willpower and all of us sitting in the media center. But it was all, it was a little uncomfortable. I mean, it was definitely, uncomfortable. I think it was definitely uncomfortable for Alex because he was like, Whoa, man. Like, first of all, that's my teammate. Like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? And Will said something like, well, you know, when you're as old as I am, you start to say whatever you want to say. And Right. Be frustrated with the series, because like you said, you've taken this up with the series for 10 years and they haven't done anything about it. So be frustrated with the series. Don't be frustrated with the driver who is just doing what y'all set out to do, which is race cars. Yeah, I guess props to Palo for sticking up for his teammate. That's not really a surprise because he's a really good dude. Yeah, I don't know if there's a little bit of gamesmanship there from power if he's trying to send a message to somebody else by throwing Johnson under the bus, or if he's just doing the old Penske versus Ganassi rivalry and playing it up or trying to buy real estate in Johnson's head, which I don't think he's going to find is very successful because Johnson don't care. Um, But yeah, I guess that's the storyline we'll follow. Uh, Johnson's pace was better than last year's, but unfortunately the, the race pace wasn't still there. I think the biggest thing I noticed with him compared to other drivers is his braking. I just feel like he's still not entirely confident in braking compared to some of the other drivers out there. So I think that's an area that he really needs to focus on and they need to improve. Yeah. You can tell the couple spins he had in practice was all looping the back end around because he wasn't quite nailing the braking. So, I mean, thankfully he didn't have any major damage, but I I think you're spot on with that. So positive ratings were really good. The ratings came out today. It was the highest uh, cable opening race since 2008 or something like that. There was one opening on ABC one year. Uh, but yeah, that was a uh, really good. Uh, I thought I saw, I think it was the Associated Press had one and it said, why is IndyCar going up and NASCAR is going down, which we could have a whole hour on, but uh, it's good to see that the ratings were good. So hopefully that momentum well i say hopefully that momentum continues but for three weeks away from the next race so who knows gotta love that momentum yeah right so that's good to see the ratings were good so we can do you guys want to do driver day disappointment today or we want to do predictions first do predictions did i miss anything uh from the race before we move on or anything you guys want to throw in yeah real quick the grosjean sato practice incident oh yes and grosjean frustrated that the marshals weren't telling weren't flagging that there were slow cars ahead so i guess that's kind of two things what did you think of the incident itself and you know unlike f1 who does kind of have marshals flagging when there are slow cars on track ahead during practice indycar does not do that so what is your thought on that part and the incident itself i get that sato can be frustrated and has a right to be frustrated because this is the car that got impacted. But the fact that Takuma Sato is getting mad at anybody for a collision is the richest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) So he can take his kind of fake outrage and shove it for all I care. As far as the situation, I mean, and I said this about qualifying too, it's just, it's just 
too many cars out there, unfortunately. Like having a healthy field is great. And I think Scott Dixon said something along the same lines that having a healthy field with 26 cars is amazing. But having it on a track where lap times are between 60 seconds and 62 seconds, you're just going to have some issues every now and then. And when a guy wants to do a flyer and everybody else wants to do a flyer and they all check up, unfortunately, you're just going to get situations where there's just going to be a collision every now and then. So I, I, get that there is a little bit of a, a Grosjean problem there for missing the situation and misreading it and hitting Sato. I get that there's a situation where a bunch of cars are constantining and causing an issue, but at the end of the day, like, like Sato getting mad at somebody is just funny as hell. I fully agree with you. And I do think that, I mean, it wasn't intentional, right? It's not like Grosjean came in and was like, I'm just going to hammer into the back of you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, like that, that's not what he was planning to do. And it wasn't, I mean, there were cars that were checking up in that corner anyway. And so it was just, honestly, it was almost bound to happen. Um, it just happened to Grosjean. And so I, uh, yeah, I I'm with you. Sato being mad at anyone for saying this is just practice. Like how many cars have you taken out, bro? Let's be honest, like in stupid moves. Okay. So like, this was not intentional, at all this was just an accident you've done some dumb ass shit and never apologized so let's slow your roll just a tad yeah fair i don't have anything to add there but so should indycar police the slow cars more than they do or is no. this not worth this okay we'll move no, on don't need Matt's to shaking his head don't need to make a mountain out of a molehill no. no that's a very old man saying there by the way I learned he it took from it from you. I learned, a, I learned it from Mad Men. All right. Well, let's go to predictions. Predictions. So we had the, was it it's quartet? No, quartet's four. We had the five of us, whatever that is, uh, on last week to do predictions and to do the preview. So uh, we'll just highlight the goods for these. this one, I guess. The winner yeah. prediction, while nobody got McLaughlin, three of us got a top five prediction. So... Host said power. I said Herda. Lighting said Grosjean. Uh, Frenchie said Pato, who finished 12th. 12th. That's not very good, Frenchie. And uh, Shannon said Rossi. Oops. So that's a big oops. So I'm going to go ahead and mark that one as a red for F. Uh, Dark Horse top 10. Uh, Frenchie was the only one that got it with Rena's VK. Uh, who did really well this weekend i did very well this weekend and if penske expands to four cars i think he might be a name to consider um lighting said malukas hickey said ilot yikes host said daily yikes and shannon said de francesco yikes uh (laughs) who's gonna struggle we all did well shannon said rosenquist yep Host said, oh no, host said Sato. Sato did not struggle. Nope. He finished. How does Sato? I mean, like, how is it that he picks Sato on the one weekend Sato doesn't struggle? So, yikes. Uh, I, yeah, the host, <laughs> the host uh, Vendetta is back. Uh, I said Pato. I kind of give that one to myself because 12th is not exactly where he should be. He did struggle all weekend. They were not happy with that car all weekend. No. Frenchie said Jimmy, we'll give it to him. And Lighting said Elio for sure. First out, we all missed. Uh, the first out was Malukas. Um, 
The only one I want to point out is that Frenchie said Lungard, which is incorrect. Haha, <laughs> host. And then last was best rookie, and the winner there was me picking Lungard. You're welcome. Uh, host again finished last in that one. Oh no, host did not finish last. Lighting did because Lighting picked Malukas. So tough day for David Lighting. Uh, so yeah, so those are predictions. Who's your guys' driver of the day? I would go with Alex Pillow. He had a doozy of a crash before qualifying was able to qualify the car 10th and then kind of just methodically worked his way up through the race led I think a lap in the middle of pit stop sequences and challenged for the lead there at the end but that's the type of day that in the end of the season can keep you in the championship hunt yeah I'm gonna go with Graham I think he was uh what do you finish sixth seventh he just kept his nose clean raced hard had a decent weekend was kind of quiet but like hey i mean finishing seventh is good for your points so yeah and as indicated earlier i said polo is just really good drive really impressive um didn't do anything flashy but he's just a really fast driver it's insane uh as far as disappointment of the day who do you guys have alexander rossi uh oh <laughs> I'm not disappointed in him. I'm just disappointed in the performance. <laughs> it's like I'm not disappointed. Uh, I'm not mad at you. I'm disappointed it's, in you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will go with Joseph Newgarden qualifying ninth at St. Pete, where he always does well, seemed like a letdown. And then I think it was partially just the way the yellow fell, but he you dropped and was really never able to recover finishing 16th. And for me, yeah, Joseph was, I had him in fantasy, of course. Um, I don't know. Like Connor Daly, P21, they touted the fact that they got the fastest lap of the race as a marker for success. And I don't know if they just like caught an unlucky yellow, if the strategy is poor, if the car was terrible, whatnot, but, that's just, and especially when Renus is doing so well. Like when I know Renus didn't finish off the year very well last year, but you know, prior to his collarbone injury, Renus was doing amazing. And on the flip side, Connor just just hasn't been there. And he even openly admitted at Road America is like, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's like I just can't adapt to this car that they have here at Ed Carpenter. And now he's back with a sponsor. And I hope this really isn't same old, same old as last year for Connor Daly. Yeah, I agree. There. I would, I'm ready to see what Connor does in this car on an oval. Maybe boost his confidence a little bit and then take it to the, to the next road course at Long Beach. And then maybe, you know, maybe he's just not quite comfortable with it yet. I don't, I don't know, but the Chevys looked faster this weekend Yeah, than they have previously. So I still have high hopes for him. All right, we're going to wrap it up with one final question slash recap here. If you're going to give this race a number from one to 10, just on track, what would it be? Not, not don't worry about the broadcast or commercials or anything else, just hmm. on track. I'd say seven. Yeah, in my head, I had six and a half. Wasn't the tire strategy helped? But it's it was a pretty prototypical St. Petersburg race. 
I was going to say seven and a half. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm not usually the most optimistic one, but I'll take it. Maybe we can track this and see what our, we can add this to our Excel sheet of. Thanks for volunteering host. Yeah, well, I can't edit the Excel sheets. So if you can, if you make me an editor, I'll, I'll do it myself. Uh, can't do that. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for IndyCar this week, guys. Hope everybody enjoyed the race and the media bullpen and our interview with HMD's Daniel Frost. And next week, we'll, uh, Shannon and I will be back. Hickey is, I don't know, he's busy doing Hickey stuff. Dua Lipa and, concert. Dua Lipa. I was going to the oh, Dua Lipa concert. Oh, yeah. Okay. Will you take some video for me, please? Sure do. Just don't spend your guess. entire time on your phone no. taking video. Enjoy no. the concert. Just like one. I just want one. Yeah. I'm under the age of 35. That's what I'm supposed to do at a concert. This, you know, I can't argue that. Um, and um, before you call me old for like the 80th time in this episode, everybody have a lovely weekend of racing. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.